Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the new Jesus. Uh, as you may have noticed, our uh, backdrop monitor blew up in the last week. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with uh, uh, my, my level of uh, volume, but it's possible, I guess. But anyway, uh, the new one's not here yet, so today we're going to do the board uh, by itself. I think we'll be just fine. The postulate for today is not from my son, uh, Harry the philosopher and writer. It is not from Santo, uh, my other, my wonderful friend who is really good at that stuff too. Uh, this one is actually from C.S. Lewis, all right? Uh, and here it is, direct quote, If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get comfort or truth. All right? So which are you looking for? Are you looking for truth and love, I would say? Or are you looking for comfort, seek pleasure, avoid pain? Okay? All right. Little bitty, uh, what I think will be a little bitty review this week. Uh, the five C's. Galatians 5, Matthew 5, Paul and Jesus what I believe is God's plan for success and happiness. Although he would call it in, the, in Galatians and um, Matthew, he would call it fruit. That's the positive success, good fruit, instead of bitter, yucky, rotten fruit. And blessed, which is not happy the way we may think of it, is I win the lottery and I'm happy, I get a letter from the IRS and I'm miserable. All right. I believe God's happiness or blessed, which is a synonym in the in that language for happiness, is more a joy and peace when things are up and when things are down. Doesn't mean you won't have pain in that time of pressure and stress, but you can have pain and stress with joy 
and peace and meaning knowing if I let God use this in me, it'll make me better, take me up to a higher place in my life. It may be something I absolutely need in order to get somewhere in my life. And going through the pain rather than uh, in fear, running back to mama, so to speak, all right, going through the pain ensures that I'm going to get to the other side, where uh, Scott Peck, who wrote The Road Less Traveled, said, you know, nine out of ten people never get to their best destination because when they start going for it, they hit chaos, they hit change, they hit pain. Any kind of change is painful. And instead of persevering and going on through it to their next better reality, nine out of ten run back to safety. Even if it's a safety that's miserable. Because maybe what's out there is even worse. And for sure, this pain of change feels worse than where I was there. Okay? Um, So let's review. These are kind of the opposite of God's success and happiness. Selfishness, confused, um, no discernment, sad loneliness, anxiety, anger, rejection, unsafe, guilty, ashamed, I'm bad, I don't measure up, I'm not good enough, sinful, unforgiven, captive, uh, um, I'm focused on outcomes instead of process, I'm inferior or superior, uh, I'm interested in revenge, my future maybe doesn't look that great, okay, all of these things are the opposites of the blessed from Jesus in the Beatitudes, and the fruit or success from Paul in Galatians 5. These are the opposites. So this is what happens in, and it is a a, a way you can diagnose yourself. Are you in God's success and happiness, or are you missing it? And this is missing it. Okay. Um... We talked a little bit about we've t- uh, about life A and life B, and then last week we added a life love C or D, which is your individual circumstances and you in those circumstances, which may be different as far as what is right, wrong, the best choice that uh, of of anyone who's ever lived. Okay, this may be totally unique to just you which would enforce the passage, if everything had been written, the whole world would not contain it. Because it would have to have everything about every decision in every circumstance just for Alex. And just for Hope. And just for Harry. And just for you. Okay? So instead of that, God, sorry, something's scratching me back there. Instead of that, okay, God saves us, forgives us, pays for grace, pays for um, mercy, pays for justice that is 100% correct and has been paid for, real justice and real grace, okay? Um, But it's different for each person in different circumstances. Now, some things don't change, like murder, if it's just you know, you're not, it's not self-defense at all, or they're not trying to kill someone you love, or whatever, you just murder somebody, well, that's probably going to be wrong for anybody and everybody pretty much all the time. But 
A lot of our life is, is not that way. We know a right, we know a wrong, but then there's this huge area in the bell curve, maybe 80%. It doesn't really have a right and wrong, but maybe there's still a best way to go. And that's where we lead on the discernment from the Holy Spirit, from Scripture, in prayer and meditation, uh, our conscience, etc. All right, and we talked about all of those. And don't forget, please don't ever forget that God guarantees this happiness and success if we will do it His way, which is giving Him control instead of us trying to do it in our own willpower. All right? Um, we talked about it, and then we got into addictions and habits that... Uh, one in 10 have a major addiction. 75% never get treatment. Of the 25% that do get treatment, only one in 10 says the treatment helped. There's a 99% relapse rate, okay? So the odds aren't good. Six out of every 10 people in the entire world at any given moment, meaning right now, are trying to break a habit or an addiction uh, 9 out of 10 people at any given moment have a negative habit and 100% of people during their lifetime will have a negative habit or addiction. So what do you do about it? Okay, And I call uh, those sinful habits and addictions or, or maybe not sinful, but getting to that fork in the road where there's not a right or a wrong, but feeling like I should go this way, but for some other reason deciding to go this way. Okay? To me, that's a love substitute. Why did I go that way when I felt this was the better way? Even if it's not a matter of sin, but sometimes it is a matter of sin. And both of those, sin or not sin, but the wrong path, I would call love substitutes. And we talked about how the thing that's so crazy about this, and the research shows it out, and I, I, I looked at that research last week, Harvard, the cause of depression, and it's not what you think. Scientific American, the cause of addictions, and it's not what you think. Uh, Southwestern Medical Center, the cause of illness and disease, and it's not what you think, all right? Well, what is it? Well, that's where we're going today. On one level, it's your chem brain chemicals, and we talked about that a lot last week. We're going to add another piece today. But, 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 this is critical. Wait on the Lord. That's the 2 Corinthians 4.10. So, I, I tell you in advance, it's going to be a key for your addictions and habits to wait on the Lord. And we're going to talk about a way that you can do that in practicality today and tomorrow. And, 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 and think about this. Once you get into um, adulthood and especially middle age and later, Almost every sin is the result of a habit or addiction. Virtually every sin is a repeat sin. Okay? Uh, the first event, which is usually early in our life, is where we lost, is where the door got opened 
to an area like anger, okay? The very first time I ever got angry, I'd never gotten angry before, that opened a door inside of me for anger in the future. So the first event is where I lost my peace. The subsequent anger events after the door got open are because I lost my peace. Okay? Hope that makes sense. All right. So, uh, what? let me add one more thing to that. So if that's true, then except for the very first original sin in every area, like uh, anger or, or being mad or afraid, or, now I'm not saying being afraid is a sin necessarily. Now, Scripture says 365 times, fear not, but we can't, we can't control the thoughts we have, okay? We can only control the thoughts we keep if we learn how to do that. Uh, you can't do that sometimes if you don't know how, and we're going to talk about that too, all right? Uh, but anyway, in a major way, if you can fix your habits and addictions, you can fix your spiritual life. Because most of us aren't doing first sins in an area anymore. We're doing repeat sins in an area that that door got opened earlier, sometimes a lot earlier. Well, we want to shut that original door, that first event door, and a lot of times, if and when you do that, the dominoes, all the subsequent anger events or whatever it's about that came because that door got open, they start to resolve on their own a lot of times. And even if you do have to address them now, it's much, 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 much easier, okay, than when that original door was still opened and that event had not been resolved. You, don't, you also don't necessarily have to know what that original event is. And a lot of the times you don't because you were one or five or six or, you know, it was a trauma and so you're repressing it and can't remember it or, or, or something like that. Okay? All right, let's flip for today. Um, and we've still got our high road and low road. Um, Truth or the lie very often determines which road we take, okay? The battle is for your heart, and Romans 3, we're talking about a righteousness or being right with God that is apart from the law, not because you did such a great job of doing what God said and not sinning. No, no, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is of grace now, okay? And Paul said in Galatians, who's bewitched you into believing another gospel. What was the other gospel? They were going back to legalism. They were going back to, uh, it's all about your sin or doing it right, okay? Well, that's over. That's the old covenant. We're in the new. Now it's about the heart. Although, God really says it always was because Paul says, was Abraham justified by what he did or by his faith, and it says, or because he believed, and he says it's because he believed, which gives the impression maybe in the mind and heart 
and book of God, maybe that's always how it worked. Because again, before the foundation of the world, he already knew Jesus is going to die and pay the price for everyone, and God's not bound by time the way we are. Okay, all right, what is driving your habit or addiction? These are the major internal negative states, all right? Mad, sad, afraid, unsafe. That can be uh, physically or non-physically, emotionally, mentally. Bad, or I'm not good enough. Uh, belief, which means I'm believing the wrong thing. I've got a wrong belief, which is where Bruce Lipton, Dr. Lipton from Stanford Medical School, says all illness and disease come from a wrong belief. And I believe that failure is also an internal state. We don't think of failure really as, as an emotion or a feeling, but I, I think it is. I grew up playing sports. And man, there were so many times if I went into that game believing I was going to lose, I would lose and maybe lose bad. If I went in believing I was going to win, I wouldn't always win, but I'd play better. When I played best was when I went into that game not focused on winning or losing, but just doing my best and having a very intense focus in the present moment for the whole game. The next step, the next bounce of the ball, the next hit, the next whatever. And it very intense, all right? That's where I did the best. Okay, um, what we're talking about is emotional well-being, and I believe there's a whole lot of overlap with that, with what we would call the spiritual. Okay, so we, ha we have these things. They all come or create, they come from stress, or they create stress, or it, it, it turns into a loop where they come from stress and create more stress, come from stress and create more stress, or we get mad, create stress, which makes us more mad, which creates more stress, etc. All right. And then from these negative states comes habits and addictions. Why? Because these are painful. And we want something to offset or balance or make the pain go away or at least diminish. And we believe our chocolate or the porn or whatever it is, whatever that habit of addiction is, which a whole bunch of them might be healthy things like going on a walk or working out or reading a book. It's not what you do some of the time it's why you do it. Are you doing it just because you enjoy it and you've got it in balance and it's a positive thing in your life? Or is it an escape almost like a pill? Okay? Or a drug? Well, that's when it gets to be trouble. When it gets out of balance. Or if it's something that's always wrong. Alright? Um... Basically, what we're saying, and, and I've got pain-pleasure here. All of these are about pain-pleasure. Um, on the other side, if what you feel when you're stressed, or you're not stressed, but this tends to take you to stress, in other words, you get mad, and that creates the stress, the, the stress makes you more mad, but, 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 Anything here that happens in your day, 
not stressed yet, or you're stressed, anything but love and truth will end in more pain, not less. The reason you do the habit and addiction is for less pain. But if you're doing the thing over here because of one of these, it's going to end up with more pain, not less. Now, how, how, how dumb is that? I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm just saying doing that is dumb once you realize that it's what you're doing. And that means less pleasure. And that's the other reason. You did it for less pain and, and more pleasure. What you get is more pain and less pleasure. If, you're, if your inward state is anything but love and truth. Okay? All right. Um, and sin is the most painful thing of all. It's more painful than an injury. It's more painful than someone yelling at you. Okay? Sin is the most painful thing of all. And if you, before you get stressed or when you get stressed, are acting out of these internal states for a love substitute habit or addiction, Very often that is sin. Which again, is not just more pain when you are looking for less. It's the most painful thing of all. Okay. Um, so how do we determine... What is important in life? What we should live for in life? How do we get on that high road? And what do we see when we're on it? Okay? Well, I'd like to go to Solomon for that. Um, a lot of people believe he lived about 3,000 years ago. A lot of people believe he was the wisest man who ever lived. He had unlimited resources because he was the richest man in the world at the time he was king, and they said his riches could not be counted. They were so great. He had uh, 700 wives, 300 concubines, so a thousand women conceivably that he could have dinner with, have evidently uh, non-sinful sexual relationship with, uh, maybe he could even have non-sinful relationship with more than one at a time. I mean, and that takes you to all kinds of mental places that, oh boy, I'd rather not go there. Well, I'd rather not either, but I, I believe it's the truth. And if you read Song of Solomon, uh, I had this, uh, I got a, a great friend who was uh, an elder in the church. He, he worked, uh, was uh, very high up at a Christian university and was in charge of campus spirituality. One of the best men I've ever known. His name's uh, uh, Steve Davidson. And um, Steve did an interesting thing. Um, he was employed by a church where he worked as a minister and at, at, a, at one service, he got up 
and started reading word for word from the Bible and people started getting up and leaving because they were offended and horrified by what he was reading in a church building. And I mean, I bet some of them were talking, man, he needs to be fired and all kinds of stuff. You know what he was reading? Song of Solomon. Straight from Scripture. Right? So, you know, before you uh, do too much about, you know, sexuality and stuff, God made us to be sexual. Alright? So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just doing it in a healthy way as opposed to unhealthy. And so many people are doing it unhealthy, and especially with the tidal wave of porn habits and addictions, I believe it's gotten even more that way. Alright, so, Scripture says, oh, oh, and by the way, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, he basically said, soap bubbles, it's all soap bubbles. Paraphrase. What does that mean, soap bubbles? Well, a soap bubble, you know, you, you, you put the little thing in the bottle and, and it makes bubbles. And it's, oh, it's so much fun, especially for kids, but I love it too, even at my age. It's beautiful, fun, okay? Well, but but after, a, after a second, you know, it goes pop and it just completely disappears and it's just gone. Or if you touch it, pop, it's gone. Not a trace. It's gone, all right? Well, Solomon said, it's all soap bubbles. Everything is meaningless. Except, you know where I'm going, being right with God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and love. And truth, everything else is meaningless. Okay, well... Are you living from the wisdom of Solomon? Or are you living from the sin of Solomon, which was also very great? And that's one thing about Solomon, I think, that we can look at in a logical way, is that this guy was king of the world. His money was so much it could not be counted. He had all these legal wives and concubines, he had unlimited resources and he tried everything to find meaning. He tried good works. He tried helping the poor. He tried building great things. He tried everything he could think of. And his conclusion to the whole deal, after years of that, with unlimited resources, it's all meaningless, except being right with God, love, truth. Okay. So, um, when we hit stress or one of these negative internal states, which wants to take us to the way we've responded to that before, which is usually a habit or addiction if we're choosing the sinful route or the selfish, sick, pleasure, avoid, pain route, all right, well, what should we do? What could we do? What's God's plan for that 
if, if there is one, okay, what's God's plan? I want to take a look at that. Fear, we've talked about this, 365 times I'm told in Scripture, says fear not, um, way more than anything else of its kind. Not, by the way, way more than love, which is over 800 times as far as a positive thing that you should do. More than double the, the times God says don't fear, he says love. And he says don't fear more than anything else negative. All right? So, you're hit with stress or, or something that's painful internally. What do you do? Number one, turn the 80% of self-talk into God talk. Okay? We've talked about that. The research says that uh, we have 20 to 80,000 thoughts, self-talk, Basically, a day. The average person, 20 to 80. Pretty big range. Extroverts, introverts, whatever. All right? And approximately 80% of those are negative for the average person. Boy, that's a lot of negative self-talk. That's a lot of, of, of force to try to hold back and keep doing the right thing and taking the high road, right? It's a lot of force trying to push you down to that low road. Well, turn the self-talk into God talk. All right? So whatever the negative thought or feeling is, immediately, either out loud or silently to yourself, if you're somewhere where people will hear you. By the way, even if you are where people will hear you, I would say it in the lowest whisper where you know no one else will hear it. There's just something about saying it, even out loud, even if it's a whisper. But if you absolutely can't, just say it in your head, all right? And do not change a word of it, okay? If the negative self-talk is a curse word, go ahead and pray that, all right? God knows you're thinking it anyway. And then ask God for help. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I'm in this situation. I feel a, a, a pain that I'm wanting to go over here in order to do something that's pleasurable or to minimize the pain, but I want to do it your way. I want to live for you. I want to be on the high road. I want to have, I want to be on that minus 10 to plus 10, plus 7 and above. I want to make a difference. A, I, I want my family to say, man, Alex has just uh, made our family or, or, or contributed to making our family such a wonderful place of love, joy, peace, safety, um, etc. Uh, I, I want to make my work environment the best one at the whole business, maybe the best one in the city, okay? Um, turn the self-talk, the negative self-talk, into God talk, meaning turn it into a prayer. And don't change a word. Say it exactly. Father, I'm sorry. I know this is not what you want for me, but here's what I'm going through right now. And just say it, all right, in the same words you're thinking. And then ask God for help and ask God to be faithful to his promises that we talked about uh, two weeks ago. The names of God, the characteristics of God, and the promises God makes 
to you and those are posted on one of the uh, notes or chat things right on this site so you can go look at those lists if you don't have them, all right? But number one, turn it into God talk. Number two, the five-second rule. Um, Mel Roberts uh, discovered and wrote a book about the five-second rule and then did TED Talks and TV and all kinds of stuff. And, and it's been backed up with research. And uh, Mel is a lady and she was in bed and she noticed that her, her alarm went off and she rolled back over and went back to sleep. And then when she woke up, it was a big negative thing because now she was running late and, you know, was having to hurry and ended up uh, dropping something on her toe and, and uh, you know, mistakes because you're trying to go too fast and you're rushed and now it's stressful where it didn't have to be stressful if you didn't have to rush, etc. So she decided, okay, tomorrow morning when that alarm goes off, I'm going to count backwards from five, and then when I get to one, I'm going to get up. And it worked. And it worked after that. And so she did some research, uh, tried it in different situations, had some other people try it, and, and invented or discovered what she called the five-second rule. And here's how it works. When you hit um, pain or lack of pleasure, or whatever it is that's causing you to want to go toward a habit or addiction or to seek pleasure, avoid pain, instead of truth and love, immediately when you have an instinct to act, whether, whether for the habit or addiction or for uh, love and truth, when you have an instinct to act, immediately count backwards from five to one. Five, four, three, two, one. And then when you hit one, say one, then you need to take physical action. Physical action. All right? Uh, what does this do? It distracts the brain from reasons not to act. It interrupts old habits and addictions. All of the focus is on the action now, not on rolling over and going back to sleep or this necessarily. All focus now is on the positive desired action. Um, and what else? It's a brain hack. All right? It, it's a brain hack. That's how it works. Um, and it talks about, and, and she also talks about how doubt, fear, and overanalyzing, that one of the things that five second does is, is, minimizes doubt, fear, and overanalyzing. So, what is the action you have to take? Does that mean that, you know, I hit this, I hit some pain-pleasure thing, and now I'm in a temptation sort of thing, I'm in a crossroads, I can go either way, 
All right? So I want to go the right way, God's way, not this way. So five, four, three, two, one, I need, I need to act. So what's the action? Well, it could be to go ahead and do this, all right, which is some of this stuff that we're talking about, all right, and, and I'm going to go through a number of those that you can do immediately after the five seconds. But here's something you can also do. At least it works really well for me and, and my clients as I've shared it with them. If you don't have time if it's, or it's not the right time to do the desired action right now, then when you get to five, four, three, two, one, take action. But it can be just an action that affirms it is my intention to do this when it is the right time. Okay? So, um, what, what, what is one? Um, taking out the garbage for me or doing the dishes. Those are two of my jobs. All right? Well, sometimes there's a whole bunch of dirty dishes, but I'm right in the middle of meetings and work to the point I can't do them right now. So if that's the situation and I have, and I have this uh, instinct to act, doing the dishes, that's my job. Five, four, three, two, one. But I can't do the dishes right now. I've got a phone call I've got to make or a, or a conference. So what do I do? You can do this. If you're standing up, sit down. If you're sitting down, stand up. You can jump up and down a couple of times. I, I know this seems a little silly, but the research is unequivocal. It, it, it works. It is a brain hack that works, usually almost like flipping a switch. All right? So take some bodily action and then affirm, as soon as these conferences are over, I'm going down there to do the dishes. Okay? And now I get onto my conference call. Well, you've just made it tons easier. I, I, I would say 100% easier, maybe, maybe three or 400% easier to not do the negative habit and addiction, but do God's way, the love truth way, the positive way, even if I can't do it right this minute. Okay? Now, if I can do it right this minute, then five, four, three, two, one, bing, I go do the dishes. And, and what the research says is, is using the five-second thing with that makes me way more likely to go do the dishes now than I would have been if I hadn't done that. That about 90% of the time, if I don't act within five seconds, uh, it, it, that, that instinct to act will be killed. And that's exactly what the book said. That's a direct quote. If I don't act within five seconds, very often the instinct to act, at least in the positive way, will be killed. If I do act within five seconds, it stays alive. Okay? So I would start doing that with everything. Um, so... Turn the negative self-talk into God talk. Pray, pray your negative self-talk and ask God for help. Um, number two, five-second rule. Number three, wait 15 minutes. Okay? Uh, Don Fento, I've mentioned him before, a very, uh, very 
prominent, at least around this area, uh, preacher, uh, pastor for many, many, many years. He's like 90 years old now. But I remember one thing he used to always preach. He would say, always give God a chance to work first, okay? Before going to the hospital, before uh, trying an alternative way, always give God a chance to work first. Well, what does that mean here? Well, to me, it means this. Before I go do this habit and addiction, that this pain, pleasure, negative internal state coming from stress or causing stress or in a stress loop is pushing me toward. And also, I have, uh, I have uh, neural connections from having done that many times in the past that would also take me to that, all right? But I'm, I'm making a deal. I'm almost making a life vow which is way more to me than just a promise. I'm making like a vow to God that before doing these habits or addictions anymore, and I've identified maybe uh, one addiction and three or four negative habits, and, and you should do that too. Before I'm going to do that, from now on, I'm going to give God at least 15 minutes to work to take me up here instead of here. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Remember that from... Um, I'm going to wait on the Lord, okay? For at least 15 minutes. Now, I'm not saying limit God to 15 minutes, but I'm saying for at least 15 minutes. <clears throat> instead of just doing it like maybe I've been used to, I'm going to pause. I'm going to give God 15 minutes. All right. Number four, I'm going to go to another place in my mind and inward state. See, the habits or addictions are coming from an inward state. Remember last week, you're not addicted to the chocolate or the alcohol or the porn. You're addicted to the chemicals in your brain. And the chemicals in your brain come from the internal state. A heart that has untruths or lies and is negative on a minus 10 to plus 10 is negative instead of positive. All right? And it is causing me to do what I'm used to doing in those situations. All right? But not anymore. I'm going to turn it into a prayer. I'm going to do the five-second thing. I'm going to wait 15 minutes, and I'm going to go somewhere else in my internal state. And here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Revelation 1. Okay. And in my mind, I'm going to close my eyes, in my mind, I'm going to go to Revelation 1. And the first thing I'm going to do is confess. Jesus, I believe you are Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you will have me, I will follow you the rest of my life as my Lord, Savior, 
bridegroom and high priest. I will never do it perfectly, but I will never give up and I will never quit and leave you on purpose. I'm here forever with my mistakes committed to you long term. All right? That's the first thing. Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then after that, I go to this place in my mind, heart, and inward state. So let me read it here. This is from Revelation 1. I, John, your brother and companion in suffering, like that, your brother and companion in suffering. He's not saying we're supposed to be zippity-doo-dah all day. No, your companion in suffering. We're meant to suffer. We've been talking about that. Okay, but suffer with a joy and peace. And Paul said, a love, the love of Christ compels us even in this terrible pain. Okay, but we're supposed to go through pain and suffer, just like that C.S. Lewis quote that I started with. Um, so I join your brother and companion in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I, uh, inward state, spirit, but spiritual inward state instead of this inward state. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, a voice, but like a trumpet, okay, you got to get that, which said, Write what you're about to see down. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. This is Jesus, also referred to as son of man in other places. I um, saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, and you need to memorize this and get all the details, all right? Okay? Meditation um, in the 1950s was endorsed by the United States federal government as somewhat, something everyone should be doing for their health. And they're right, because there's hundreds, if not thousands, of studies that meditation lowers your stress, all right? The problem is... Almost all of them lower your stress by distraction. And when you're not distracted anymore because you're not meditating anymore, the stress goes right back up. All right? On the other hand, this Revelation 1 is not a meditation. It's absolutely real. And that's the difference. It doesn't work by distraction. It works by personal relationship and interaction with the king of the universe who has told us, he promises our outcome guarantee, promises his version of happiness and success if we'll let him have control, etc. All right, so like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest, his head and hair, not just hair, but head, his head and hair 
were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, etc. And then down to verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Man, he was terrified. I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Death is health, life, death, dying, living. Hades is basically saved, not saved, sin, not sin, grace, etc. Okay? So Jesus is saying, I've got the keys to everything you want and need. Okay, so... Turn it into God talk. Five second rule. You're committing to wait at least 15 minutes before acting over here out of the negative internal state. And during that 15 minutes, you're going to go to a positive internal state, which is this, what I just read. Jesus and I are one, the mystery of the ages. I'm seated with him in the heavenlies. He's hearing me right now. This is not distraction. This is not made up. This is actually happening when I go there during these 15 minutes. I'm really there, and he is really here, and we are really one, okay? Um, Larry Napier, my spiritual mentor for the last 30 years, um, when he teaches, a lot of times he'll teach that the man at the right hand of the Father in the throne room has hair on his legs. And I'd never heard that before. I don't know if you have or not. But what he meant is Jesus has a physical body even today. Okay? He has a physical body. Now, it's a different physical body. And we're going to have a physical body, evidently, too. But it will be a different kind of physical body. In heaven, there's no pain. There's no tears. There's no fear, there's no sorrow, there's no night, okay? So all these things that we're very well acquainted with, even though we wish they weren't a part of our earthly experience, those are not going to be a part of our, earthly, of our heavenly experience, okay? Remember Jesus walked through the wall after he came out of the tomb on Resurrection Day? The apostles, disciples, Mary, Martha, they were in this in this room with the door locked. And Jesus walks through the wall. But he's got a physical body. How do we know that? Because Thomas doubted and, and Jesus said, put your hand in my side. And he did and felt it and believed. Alright? So, he had a body. I believe he has a body. Well, what's the significance of that? The 2 Corinthians 4.10, wait, the wait on the Lord, all right? Remember what Oswald Chambers said about this in My Utmost for His Highest is 
when I hit these painful times, okay, seek pleasure, avoid pain from stress that's kicking me over here to what I usually do to minimize the pain or get some pleasure to offset it, all right, um, that, that when I do that, if I will turn to God, whoa, I'm on the wrong page. If I will turn to God, okay, and this is part of this 15 minutes, after the five second, okay, I'm giving God 15 minutes, all right, at least. So, what Oswald says, I keep flipping back and forth, don't I? Sorry, I forget which side I'm on. Um, is that if when that happens, we will immediately, five seconds, I'm thinking, turn to the Lord and say, Father, Lord, I would be delighted to obey you in this. And he's talking about something painful. All right? I'd be delighted to obey you in this. Now, that doesn't mean I'm really excited about doing something that's painful. That's not what it means. What it means is I'm delighted to obey you. I know you, pro you tell me who you are, your names, your character, your promises toward me, the outcome guarantee I have, 100% grace and 100% justice, my sins as far as the east is from the west, and you will remember them no more, as innocent as if I'd never committed a single sin in my entire life, okay? Um, that, that is what we want during that 15 minutes. So we're going to go to that inward state, which God describes in detail here. So that's, that's where I am. Remember, your unconscious mind or heart does not differentiate between what's real or imagined. It treats it all as real and happening right now. So when I close my eyes and imagine that, I am there. Just like when I, if, if I do porn, I am there. And it's really happening. It's not on a screen imagining. No, it's really happening. And, and, and that's why I feel so bad after if I do that. It, it is, is, that was sinful. I knew it was sinful. Okay? Well, what did we say? Sin is the most painful thing. I did it for less pain, but end up getting more. All right? So if I want to do it God's way, during that 15 minutes, I'm going to wait on the Lord, and I'm going to give Him, Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this. Okay? And Oswald says, if you do that and mean it. Okay? Now, he says you can't wait and you can't argue. If you wait or argue, you grieve the Holy Spirit. But if you do it immediately, turn, I don't mean do the thing correctly, but turn to God and say, I'll be delighted to obey you in this. Please tell me, show me, give me your thoughts of what you would have me do right now. Okay? All right? If I do that, I'm really there, okay? So what I do is I picture myself in that described 
situation in the throne room of heaven with Jesus, with the seven lampstands, with the white head and hair, with the feet like bronze, with the golden sash, with his face like the sun at midday and his voice like the sound of rushing waters. I see myself there at his feet as if I were dead, just like, just like John. And I start confessing, Father, I'm so sorry. Uh, I, uh, sorry, wrong one. I, uh, I got angry and did something, or I, got, I was really sad and, did some, and ate something over here that was just a substitute. It wasn't healthy. I was just, it was just like taking a pill or a drink. That's basically what it was for. I'm so sorry. Please help me. The stress is really getting to me. Um, um, 80% negative self-talk to God. That, I, so I'm telling God that 80% that I'm thinking and feeling and this. And, and, and of course, please help me. So I confess, I repent. Thank you that you are God, your names, your characteristics, your promises. Please help me. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to stay there for at least 15 minutes. At least 15 minutes. Okay? Number six. Then I'm going to do something. So chances are, I'm either going to act here, and even though I, I, I did all of this, I still am not compelled by love. I'm compelled still more by a negative inward state and do the habit, addiction, and possibly, depending on what it is, sin instead of giving God control, waiting on Him, and letting Him do and lead me to where He would like me to go. Okay? So I either do that, or... I act here on, on whatever God leads and guides me to do that is healthy, love-based, truth-based, peace-based, okay? Um, there's some other things you can do. We've talked about the alpha inducer that can um, put you in a, a complete or partial alpha state for about an hour and a half or two hours. Uh, alpha state is a non-stress state, so you can do that like every two hours during the day. It'll keep your stress down. You can also do it during the 15 minutes. It only takes 30 seconds. You can do the vagus breathing, uh, which activates your anti-stress system that God built into you. You can do that during that 15 minutes. You can do a healing code, which we've talked about, and we gave you the healing code for free. Uh, there have been six double-blind studies, independent, university, placebo-controlled, published in peer-reviewed journals, saying it works dramatically in 30 minutes or less. Okay, uh, I would do the belief profiling on whatever that issue is for you 
okay? And we talked about the belief profiling and how to use that along with uh, the Healing Code or Trilogy or Rapid Eye Stress Relief or whatever, okay? But anyway, these are what I would do during that 15 minutes or more. And then when you're done, you're going to act, okay? You're going to get up off the floor. By the way, you don't have to kneel or anything. You could be sitting in a chair or anything, walking, recliner, whatever's comfortable for you, okay? But you're going to do something. You're gonna, and most likely, it's either going to be this or this, okay? Well, here's an interesting thing. Um, if you go ahead and do this, I believe you're still in a state of grace. Before you do it, while you're doing it, after you do it. Unless this is the unpardonable sin, but I'm, I'm assuming it's not. The unpardonable sin is where you walk away from God, he doesn't walk away from you, and say, I don't want to have anything to do with you and I'm never coming back. Now, God will always take you back, but basically what I've been told by scholars the unpardonable sin is, is when I walk away, say, I don't want you and I'm never coming back, okay? Well, I'm not, I'm not speaking to that really in any of this. If you do that, that's a whole different deal. What most of us are doing are struggling from here to here, okay? We're struggling to have the positive uh, um, action, behaviors, thoughts, and stuff out of our inward state rather than the negative, or even if we are having the negative, to heal this stuff, to have it shift to the positive. And, I, and that's what happens. And, I, and that's what we've been helping people do for um, over 20 years now. And I believe, so I, so I believe that no matter what you do after the 15 minutes, you're still in a state of grace. Now, if you just chose to sin on purpose immediately and you don't pray, you don't confess, you don't try not to do it, you don't anything, okay, um, you may still be saved because that's the unpardonable sin, but you're going to feel guilt and shame and, and, and all that stuff. You know, Satan tricks you into sinning, then he beats you over the head for sinning, and he keeps you in that loop usually with these things, okay, all right? So, um, but, but, if you do these after the 15 minutes, in other words, you do all of this, you're trying not to do this, but when it's over, you still don't have the strength, you can't do it, you end up falling again and doing this. Well, I believe in that scenario, the way it changes it, Maybe, maybe whether, maybe in either case you're still saved, but in the second case where you went through this first, I believe you can be saved, but without a lot of the guilt and shame that would normally come from here because you tried to do what God told you to do. Now you still fell down, but he counted on you falling down before he ever created you and falling down over and over and over and over all your life. He knew it. He's taking care of that. That's why it's not about sin anymore, all right? But 
if you go through all of this and you still fall, I believe this inward state can still be on the high road even if you fell because you tried your best or, or maybe close to your best. Maybe not your best because we're told there all, there's always a way of escape, but still God understands you can't choose that way every time or Jesus would not have needed to die. If I could do it right, Jesus did need to die, right? But he did. Okay, so when I do this and when my clients that I've worked with do this, almost every single time, when I get through with that 15 minutes, my inward state has changed to love, joy, peace, patience, etc., or a lot of that, and I'm able to choose up here, where before maybe I couldn't. And even if I fall after doing the 15 minutes, keep doing the 15 minutes. And, and what you're going to find over time is that even if you keep doing this, if you'll keep doing this too, you're going to do this less and less, and there's going to be a day where you'll discover, you know what? I, I, I'm not compelled to do this anymore. I'm compelled by the love of Christ now. And I choose not to do that. Well, you, you couldn't choose not to do it before. You tried, and it didn't work. So how come you can do it now? You, because now you've healed a lot of this junk. You've gone from negative energy, most likely, to positive energy. Okay? You've gone from a place where psychological adaptation, there was too much negativity for psychological adaptation to overcome that and make you okay, but now that some of this stuff has been healed, psychological adaptation can grab you and take you over here where things are okay. And that's one of the programs God built into us for just that reason. So that if we're trying, we can be okay in virtually any in every situation. Let me check my notes here to make sure. Um, Um, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to do a, an analogy or an example. Um, I've talked about going on this discovery journey, okay? We've been talking about it a lot for the last six weeks. And I, I want to give you an example. Let's say you're getting ready to buy a new car. Well, and, and you're a Chevy man or Chevy woman, all right? Well, if you're wanting to take the high road on everything in your life, okay, buying a Chevy or another make of car, probably no, there's no sin in any of that, no matter which car you choose, but there may be one choice that's the best choice and one that's not. So if you're a Chevy person, but you decide, you know what, I don't want to just keep buying Chevys, I want to start making the best choice. How do you do that? It's belief profiling. And again, if, if you don't know what that is, that is uh, a teaching from probably two months back, and it should be on one of the chats or um, notes 
little things you can click on uh, so you can see that and how to use it for free, okay? Um, but anyway, the belief profiling means you go out and gather all the information you can get from every source you can get to. You go Google, you, you, you Google the ones that are good information, the ones that are bad information, you figure out, no, 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 that's not very good information, you know how that is on the internet. So I'm not gonna weigh that, but I found 20 other pieces of information over here about cars that I think is good information. So I'm gonna take a look at that. I'm gonna go to some dealerships, I'm gonna drive some, I'm gonna to talk to some people who own different things, I'm gonna pray about it, I'm gonna to talk to Hope, I'm gonna, you know, you get the idea, right? Well, it's basically the same process for anything, not just Ford Chevy, but a mate, uh, a business, a job, your health, um, just about anything you can name works that same way. You've got to belief profile it. You've got to go get the truth, weigh it as unbiasedly as possible, and then start doing what you now believe is the best option, not just the one that you've always done. For whatever reason, it's what your parents said, or you saw a commercial you liked, or whatever. Okay? Um, let's see... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so how does it work? Okay. Well, Southwestern University Medical Center, illness and disease comes from your memories. Dr. Bruce Lipton, Stanford Medical School. All illness and disease comes from a wrong belief. The wrong belief is all of your memories related to that thing. So all of your Chevy memories, or all of your sex memories, or all of your Christmas memories, or whatever, all right? And then, when all of those together, you see where, okay, got, where's the, the, the positive negative here about Chevy? Maybe you find out Chevy is a zero, Toyota is a plus three, uh, Lexus is a plus seven. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But take a look at all the data now and put what you, you've always done or believed over to the side as best you can and try to look at everything objectively and get other people to as well and now start choosing the best thing regardless of what you've done in the past. Now, that may be very hard for you to do at first, because these habits and addictions are so ingrained. You gotta change, the, to do it, you have gotta change the inward state, okay? And I believe that's where this process can help you change the inward state, okay? Uh, last thing, um, Harry and I were in uh, Japan recently. I was doing some lectures over there in Tokyo and um, there was a young man who was driving us around. He was so nice. I, Harry and I both just loved him. And um, he was so great to us. And one time we were going from one city to another, and we were talking, and uh, I was asking about uh, the automobile industry. Uh, Hope and I have two Japanese-made cars. Actually, uh, between 
Hope, myself, Harry, and George, we have four Japanese cars, okay? And, and when we bought them, it was because they seemed to be the best deal for the money. That was it, okay? And, and, and also, we like to honor people who do excellent work, all right? And I believe that's what you're doing when you look at everything and then, say, all right, this is the best choice right now regardless of what I've been doing. But anyway, we were talking about how incredible Japan is as far as cars, and this young man was saying, yeah, that's what everybody thinks, but that's not how it is anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, everyone in Japan is terrified that our whole economy is going to crash. And Harry and I were both shocked. Why? Why would you think your economy is bad? And he said, but he says it's South Korea. He said the automobiles from South Korea, the South Korean government funds the car makers, Kia and Hyundai. They subsidize them. With the, This gentleman was saying hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of dollars in subsidies so that they can decrease the curve to a better automobile. And, um, and so they were saying everyone in Japan's terrified our economy's gonna crash because South Korea is gonna pass us and it's gonna, uh, our, our gross national product is gonna go in the toilet. And I said, well, when do y'all think they will catch you? And I was expecting 10 years, 20 years, you know? And all of a sudden, and he almost said this in a whisper. Uh, with, with sort of a sadness about him. He said, they've already passed us. I said, what? So you, a, a, a Hyundai, a Kia, you're saying, is a better, more reliable, better functioning, last longer vehicle than Toyota, Nissan, Lexus? He said, yeah, right now, today. And, uh, and, and when I got back home, I started telling people, hey, I'm getting a Hyundai when I need another car, all right? I've never in my life said I wanted a Hyundai. In fact, I may have made a joke 10, 10 or more years ago about Hyundai being a very inferior car brand, which may have been wrong at the time, but even if it wasn't, it's certainly not true today. So that's sort of an example, a metaphor of of a belief profiling, of, of, of for anything in your life that you want to be the best, you've got to go on this journey, gather the truth and the facts, put what you've always done and believed over here, try to look at it fresh and anew, get other people's opinions as well, and then start doing what is best regardless of what you've been doing. I worked with a guy one time who was really into NASCAR, and every time he saw a Japanese-made um, car, like a Honda or Toyota or something, he would, um, in a derogatory way, call it a rice burner. Ah, look at you, you rice burner. I mean, he would go up to stoplights and rev his engine, you know. He had, a, I think, a, a Chrysler or something. It, I think it, was, it may have been a Dodge Charger, an older one. And... Um, Man, he was just hoping they would race him. Ah, uh, come on, rice burner, come on, I'm gonna... 
very derogatory, all right? And um, I, I never felt that way, but I also, but I did feel sort of a affinity for the home country brands, you know. But anyway, going, that, that thing in Japan completely changed my paradigm. It completely changed my belief profile of automobiles. Well, you can do that with anything in your life. And that's, I believe, what God calls us to do. Uh, passage in Proverbs, always be open to new things. In fact, be searching for them. Search, search, search. We're not called to sit on the couch. We're called to be out there in the marketplace um, making a difference, even if we get beat up every once in a while in the process by people or our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against angels, principalities, etc. Okay? So, how can you get out of the habit addiction negative feedback loop cycle? I believe God's way. And, and, and I'm not saying God gave these six things like in this order in scripture. No, 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 not at all, not at all. I'm not saying that at all. But, but I do believe these are scriptural and, they're, and they work. Now, one thing that's critical is when you go here, the Revelation 1, in your imagination, in your image maker, okay? Remember, when you imagine something, your heart and unconscious don't treat it as past, present, or made up. They treat it as real, but in this case, it is real. Okay? So when you go there, you need to be thinking, this is not an imagination. This is not some thing that's not real. This is absolutely real. That place is there. This place is here. I am alive. I've got flesh and blood. Jesus has a body. I am there with him. He's here with me. And I'm going to confess to him. I'm going to confess that he is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living. I'm going to listen. Critical. After I confess and repent, I'm going to listen. Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me in general or about this thing I'm struggling with right this minute? Any advice, any counsel, any leading and guiding, any words of comfort, instruction, anything. Listen. And sometimes nothing comes. Sometimes Jesus touches me, like it said in the passage, he touched John. Sometimes he hugs me. Sometimes, uh, I mean, it's, it, it, it's different every time. But that is my daily power place. And I try to spend at least one 15-minute period every day there. Usually more, but at least one. And I cannot more highly recommend you try that as well, too. But when you do, tell yourself, this is not just an imagination. This is really happening. And I believe it absolutely is, and Scripture supports that. So, Habits and addictions, 
vicious cycle, stress, inward state that you're wrestling with all the time, and you're wrestling with it for less pain, and you keep getting more, and what's happening is the most painful thing, you're doing it to try to get away from pain, I believe this is a door that will help you get out. Now, if you pray, meditate, go through Scripture, ask the Holy Spirit for leading guidance, the Holy Spirit tells you to do something completely different than this. Do it. <laughs> do what's completely different. All right? And the last thing I'm going to say is, um, again, back to the uh, 2 Corinthians 4.10 and the Oswald Chambers thing, where it says, if I turn and give it to the Lord, that the Lord will move to the forefront of my life. The indication is sort of he'll take over the steering wheel, number one. And number two, his body, the body, the life of Jesus. Remember, the man in the throne room on the right hand of the Father has hair on his legs, all right? The life and maybe even body of Jesus will manifest in my body. What do you think's my best chance if I've got cancer of having it heal? Chemo? Or let's say I've got stomach cancer. Or Jesus' stomach, Jesus' life being in my stomach. You think that cancer can coexist with Jesus' life, his physical life literally in my stomach? or my gallbladder, or liver, or brain, or anywhere else, okay? Now, that's not a guarantee for healing, but I think it's the best place you can be if that's God's will. And sometimes it will be, and it, sometimes it won't. He, he, he uses pain as his number one tool to help us learn, all right? But then typically after the pain comes some rest, comfort, etc., all right? Well... I don't care where I am, what I'm doing, what the situation. If I can have Jesus at the steering wheel of my life and his life manifested in my physical body and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me to my best truth in particular circumstances, comforting, counseling, all of that, I believe that will take me to the high road and my best life possible or close to it. And I believe it will for you too. I love you, but way more important, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Have a wonderful day.